relationships. And as we think about relationships, there's some good habits and there's certainly some bad habits in regards to our relationships. And this morning we're talking about the relationship habit of live free. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about forgiveness, but also reconciliation. And this morning we're talking about living free as opposed to living the old way. Why would we want to go back to the old way of living when we've been given a new way? 27 years ago, there was a man in the United States named MacArthur Wheeler. MacArthur Wheeler lived in Pittsburgh in the United States. He was working out a plan of how he was going to rob a bank and get away with it. And as he was working through this, he began to think about things that he learned many years ago, like the fact that you can take lemon juice and make invisible ink using lemon juice. So he thought to himself, ah, I'll take that. And if I put lemon juice over my face, my face will become invisible. And he had such faith in this that he robbed two banks in one afternoon. It's reported that he reassured one of the tellers as he held her up. Don't worry, I do have a face, it's just invisible. Within two hours of robbing these two banks, he was arrested. And in the police report, it says that he was shocked when the police knocked on his door. And he claimed, in fact, I'll quote, he says, But I wore the juice. He had the juice on his face and he had faith. And as a result of that, two psychologists began to work on an effect and it's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. And the Dunning-Kruger effect, to give, you a, to give you a summary, and by no means I'm an expert of this at all, it's that the more ignorant you are or the more incompetent, that's their words, not me, the more incompetent you are on a certain subject, the more confidence that you have in your ability. But as time goes on, the more that you learn, the more you realize how little you know. And the interesting thing with the Dunning-Kruger effect is that we greatly overestimate our knowledge and competence in a certain domain. We're not very good at self-evaluation. We're not very good at evaluating how little or how much we know. And oftentimes, when we think about things that we know about the Bible, things that we know about relationships, things that we know about ourselves and our own emotions, we think to ourselves, I know that already. And if we take this Dunning-Kruger effect, it actually comes down to the more confidence that we have, actually, the more incompetent I often am about that particular subject. That's why we get statistics, and this is an old statistic from 1981, where the statistic you may have heard before, where 88% of U.S. drivers think of themselves as above-average drivers. And we think to ourselves, well, it cannot be possible that 88% of them are above-average, because that's above-average. Everyone is vulnerable to pockets of incompetence. And we think to ourselves, we know something, so therefore it should just come easily to us. 
But in reality, life really is hard. Relationships are difficult. And we can't just base it upon something we've always known or always thought. We must go back to the, what the Word of the God says, the Bible. 21 years ago, the Dunning-Kruger effect was first published. But you know, over 3,000 years ago, a man named Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 21, verse 2, and he said, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We often don't know what we don't know. We're unable often to see another person's perspective. And we become over confident in my abilities and we begin to forget that it's in Christ and we go through the motions of life thinking as long as I look okay on the outside when I come to church as long as I sit down with the right time and stand up and as long as I look okay I must be okay but remember that scripture it says on the screen Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We're challenging you with the habit of live free this morning, not under the oppression of our, and here's a strong word, of our incompetence. Proverbs 26, 11 says, and this is just the Bible, I'm just quoting the Bible. Like a dog returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And how often, year after year, we find ourselves repeating the same mistakes again and again and again. And we think to ourselves, I know what the Bible says about my relationships. I know what it says, but how do we apply it to our hearts? And that comes down to the foundation of this entire series that we find in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is, and here's the key, in Christ. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are in Christ. And it's a beautiful picture of how we are secure in our relationship. We are no longer living life by ourselves. We are now living in Christ. And it says, what does it say? He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that leads us to a very, very simplistic principle for today. It's a very simple one. In Christ, I can live free. And you can go, in Christ, I can, dot, 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 and fill the blank in. But I've decided to call this habit for this morning, this relationship habit, to live free. Because the opposite is to live under the oppression of our past. To live on the, under the oppression of our poor and bad behavior. Or live under the oppression of the way the rest of the world lives. We think we understand life and relationship. But Jesus teaches us a better way. And God's way turns it quite literally upside down. And the ways of the world are totally different. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter number 6. We're going to remain in Luke 6 this morning. We're going to walk through a teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples. This is really early on in Jesus' ministry. And he begins to teach his disciples. And you imagine for just a moment what you're hearing. If you're hearing this for the very first time 
time. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This aligns with another passage of the Bible in Matthew chapter number 5, which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Luke summarizes it here. Luke 6, 27. And he begins with, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners, that is, people that do not know Jesus Christ as the Savior, people that are not in Christ, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. In verse 35, but love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Finally, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Our principle for today, in Christ I can live free. We have two principles this morning we're going to find from God's Word in this this passage. And this is going to develop and build for you a foundation for living free in your relationships. It's something you begin to filter through your reactions and your responses so that we're not going back and living the old way. We're now going to live the new way in Christ. The two principles are this. Treat others how you want to be treated. The second is imitate God and be merciful was the very first thought that you just had when I said those two principles, because you were maybe going, I need something new. I want to live free. And you go, oh, treat others the way that you want to be treated and be, imitate God and be merciful. Was the very first thought that you had, I know that already. Don't nod your head because I already know, because that's exactly what I thought. As I was studying this out, I came to the conclusion, I already know that. But how often do we have a hard time going from what we think we know all about? Remember the Dunning-Kruger effect? We think we know all about it, but in reality, it just shows that we really need to go back and learn it all over again. That 2 Corinthians passage, 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, we don't have to live the old way any longer. Ten days ago, a brand new song came out by a a group called the Newsboys, which we're going to take just a moment. And we're going to listen, and you're going to see the lyrics on the screen. And the reason why I'm pausing right now is that I've just accused you of possibly being incompetent about treat others the way that you want to be treated. 
And maybe you're feeling, I don't want to feel like I'm incompetent about being merciful. So let's just take a moment and let God speak to you for a moment. And as these lyrics come up on the screen, everyone, this is a brand new song, so no one knows it. So you have to watch it together and let God speak to you. And then we'll get back into God's word.
You imagine Jesus speaking with his disciples. He just recently had called them. They're sitting up on a mountaintop and he begins to teach them things that they go, oh, I've heard these things before. This is just a common way of living. But then he goes and he turns it upside down and he gives us through that a way that we can begin to live free in our relationships. Let's begin with that first point this morning is treat others how you want to be treated. It literally says that in Luke chapter 6, verse 31. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. You can say this in many different ways. We could say, think of others the way that you want to be thought about. You can say, speak to others the way that you want people to speak about you. We can say, forgive others the way that you want them to forgive you. And oftentimes we think about this in the negative sense where if we don't, then they will. And Jesus goes and turns this right around. We often know what not to do, but what does it actually tell us to do? And here, and it's in your bulletin, there are seven different blanks in your bulletin. There are seven keys to living free. We see, first of all, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We have self-control. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Patience. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. To be generous. To everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And then Jesus says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Imagine being one of Jesus' disciples. You've recently been called. You're hearing this for the very first time. And as you're hearing this, you begin to look around. Like, how are they reacting? Because Jesus didn't choose the 12 most elite, well-educated, perfect men to be his close followers. He chose four of them that were fishermen. One of them, Matthew, was a tax collector. Another one named Simon was known as a zealot. Now, the tax collector, he worked for the Roman government collecting taxes. Simon, the zealot, he worked to overthrow the Roman government. And now you have these two men hearing this for the very first time going. And then you have, of course, Judas Iscariot, who's a thief. Can you put yourself there? You start thinking, you're hearing this for the very first time, and you begin to, to go through the list again, and I want to personalize this in your relationships. And I'm going to give very general illustrations, but I'd like for you to allow God to prompt your heart in particular areas. Because as we go through the list, it was really easy to read. We have the seven keys again. Love your enemies. I have no problem hating my enemies. I have no problem. Maybe even the advice is avoid your enemies. Totally ignore your enemies as if they didn't exist because that, that way they can't hurt you. And at school, we often tell our teenagers, just ignore the enemy, ignore the bully. But you know what Jesus says? He says, love your enemy. Can you imagine being one of the 12 burly men looking around going, love who? Because you can think in your mind that person that's been annoying to you, that person that's hurt your feelings, that's made you cry, that makes going to work tomorrow 
a chore. And Jesus says, love them. Or what about when you have a fight with your spouse? I mean, hypothetically speaking, naturally. And you're now giving them the silent treatment and you're treating them as if they're an enemy. And Jesus says, love them when they're unlovable. And he goes on and he says, do good to those who hate you. I'm pausing for effect because that one is hard. If you're unkind to me, nothing makes me happier than to see you suffer. Jesus says, do good. That's something actually you have to action. It's not just do good and think good thoughts about them and totally ignore the person that hates you. Yeah, she says, go out of your way and do good to them. You imagine being one of the 12 disciples and going, that is revolutionary because I remember that time and you start thinking back of things that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago and you still feel like you are justified in your return hatred. Jesus says, do good. And he goes on and says, to those who curse you, bless. Now, this is the most common response. If you're not yet driving, I'm sure you can think of another illustration. But you may have been driving in the car one day and may or may not have made an error in some way in your driving. And someone greets you with a horrible, rude gesture of their hand. You think to yourself, no one can see me. I can do it back. Jesus says to those who curse you, bless them. You really want to get someone mad? Say, God bless you when they're telling you how horrible you are with all the different four-letter words. He goes on and he says to those who abuse you, pray for them. Now, another one of those things where if you hurt me, I really want to hurt you back. And Jesus says, pray for them. And he, now, now he doesn't specifically say pray for their blessing, but in the context, we kind of see that. It's not pray for that God makes them suffer. In the context of what we see here, it, it gives us the understanding that Jesus says, pray for their blessing. Have you ever been in, in a, a heated discussion with your spouse and really wanted them to feel the emotion and the suffering? And Jesus says there, Pray for those who abuse you. We also see the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, that's not weakness. That's not saying, allow people to beat you up. What it's talking about there is you're under control. So oftentimes, and I've evaluated this for my own life, and maybe you have too, and you, maybe you've given advice to your children, and your, the advice to your children is, don't let that person's bad behavior control you. And in reality, a person's bad behavior can ultimately control us where we justify our return bad behavior. Where if, you don't, if you're mean to me, now I get to be mean to you. If that bully hits you, hit them back. And what you're doing is you're simply stooping to their level. And who gets the victory? It's not Jesus Christ and it's not the gospel. He says they live under self-control. I'm not going to allow you to control me. I'm going to allow Jesus Christ who's in me to control me and work in me and through me. He talks about being patient for the one who takes away your cloak. Do not withhold your tunic either. Have you ever had someone borrow something from you? And then they ask for more and more. And you think to yourself, I've already given. And you start listing off all the things that you wish. And you come to the end of yourself and you think to yourself, well, I just can't give any more. Jesus says, be patient in those circumstances. To everyone who begs of you and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And that's talking about generosity. 
in your relationships as we think through these, can you imagine how revolutionary this is to hear this for the first time? And remember we said in the beginning, when we hear treat others the way that you want to be treated, and we think to ourselves naturally, I know that already. But in reality, this is going to transform our lives. And imagine being one of the disciples and hearing this for the very first time and thinking to themselves, I'm here right now, and you know who you are. And the disciples knew who they were. They knew their inabilities as well as they thought they had great ability. And they're thinking to themselves, how am I going to go from here all the way to love my enemies, pray for those who abuse you. How are we going to do that? We can't do that in our own strength and our own power. So when Jesus says in Luke 6.31, as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. Jesus doesn't say to them, see you later, go work this out for yourself. He doesn't say this to you either, Go work it out for yourself. Jesus, when he called his disciples, uses two beautiful words that you and I can apply to our lives today. When we think to ourselves, how are we going to go from here to there? Just two simple words when Jesus says, follow me. When Jesus called his disciples, he met his, some, some of the disciples who were fishermen. They were cleaning their nets. And he comes up to them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say to them, go and work out it all for yourself. Don't go, go and work out your relationships. Go and work out your problems and your fights and your difficulties. And go work them out for yourself. And I'll just be here waiting. And if you have any problems, you can come back and ask me. He doesn't say that. He says, let me take you and follow me. Walk where I walk. Walk how I walk. Let me model this for you. And that, to me, takes all this pressure off of myself to perform. And it goes right back to all we're called to do is follow Jesus. That's why I took that moment and listened to that song for a moment. Now, I want you to take a moment and think to yourself, I can't do this by myself. My relationships will fail in my own strength and my own power. I want to live free. Therefore, I must follow Jesus. What is Jesus teaching in his word? And that draws us to delve into his word and to, and to find the answers. My dad and I, that's Pastor Larry. He would have met you out in the car park out, outside. And he's my dad. And he also taught me a incredible number of positive principles and things in my life. But one of the things he taught me was to ride a motorbike. And so cool pastors ride motorcycles. We're working on Dave, and we'll bring him along, and he will say, follow me. But something I love about living in this area as a motorcycle rider is that now it's green outside, and when it's sunny, because I'm a fair-weather rider, when it's sunny outside, you take these roads off these back roads, off the highway, and you go along, and they're windy and green, and it's beautiful, and it's a little distracting because as you look around, oh, it's beautiful as you're riding along, and it's beautiful. And I took my dad for a ride several weeks ago, and I said, follow me. He never asked, where are we going? I just said, we're going to go that way. And we took on the back roads, back through the backside of, of Donny Brook to Kirup and, and more back roads all the way back to Donny Brook and back and around past Gnomesville. And it's a windy, switchy road. My dad's pretty good with directions, but he didn't know where he was going, but he was following me. 
and therefore it was relaxing. But one of the most unsettling places to be is when you feel like you're lost. If I was to put any of you out there in the middle of nowhere and you don't have a GPS, you don't have a map, and you don't have any road signs, you think to yourself, where am I? Everything looks the same. It's incredibly unsettling. But all we have to be with is one person who knows where they are and knows where they're going. Now, for me as a, as a motorcycle rider, sometimes you, I fake it until I make it. It's like, I don't know where I am. If I keep driving, I hit the highway. But Jesus doesn't do that. He continues to go and he says to his disciples, follow me. So when they're hearing these words for the very first time and going, I can't love my enemies. I'm not going to be generous. I'm not going to be patient. That's not manly. Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to show you how to live free. With that, he, he moves on. And Jesus doesn't only say, treat others how you want to be treated. He finishes this whole passage with, imitate God and be merciful. That's our second point this morning. Imitate God and be merciful. You see that word merciful, we dare not ask for justice. We certainly want God's mercy. We don't want to receive what we deserve. I want mercy. Jesus says in Luke 6, 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. We see three points here. We'll walk through them quite quickly. The first point is, what's the application of this? The application of be merciful and imitate God is we're called to live free in Christ. We can share mercy and also receive mercy. But you can't give what you don't possess. How many times have you had to ask God for mercy and ask God for forgiveness. Maybe your prayers are something like, God, it's me again. I'm asking for forgiveness of the same thing again. And we often think to ourselves, well, that's just a childish thing. I'll get over that. And we find as adults that we're going back to God and saying, God, will you forgive me again? And how many times have we we need to live free in God's mercy. So we have to receive God's mercy in order to give God's mercy. So we're commanded to be merciful and we're commanded to imitate God in his mercy. But we first must apply that for ourselves. Have you accepted Christ as your savior? Have you accepted and received that forgiveness and that mercy that God gives us by accepting his, his salvation from dying on the cross and rising from the dead? The next thing we see is the application was live free in Christ. The second is the goal is live free in Christ-like character. God doesn't say to us, you've come, you've accepted my mercy, fantastic. See you later. Go work out life for yourself. He says, follow me. Let me show you how you're going to develop, how you're going to change. And so often in our lives, we think to ourselves that the Christian life has to be easy. But we don't find that inconsistent with the Bible at all. We certainly don't find it inconsistent in our world around us. The Christian life is not an easy life. Sometimes God uses difficult circumstances. He uses our failures. He uses our conflict. He uses our hurts and our past positive and negative ultimately to develop our Christ-like character. It's almost impossible to develop positive character in times of ease. It's in times of difficulty. 
This is important because I believe it's important to God. He says, follow me, is saying yes to God's invitation. So we see an application is to be Christ-like. We see the goal is to develop our Christ-like character in the good times and also in the difficult times. And the third is we see a reward. And in this passage, Jesus lays out a promise of reward if we live merciful, if we imitate God, if we treat others the way that we want to be treated, in other words, in a godly way. And it says the reward is live free in Christ's blessings. We see in verses 37 and 38, the reward laid out. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. This is a principle of you reap what you sow. Someone wrote this and, and they said they wanted their tombstone to say, at least he tried. What we've talked about today is pretty overwhelming. You think about the application of treat others the way that you want to be treated. To imitate God and be merciful. That's incredibly overwhelming. We don't have to do that in our own strength and our own power because Jesus says, follow me. That's why we have God living inside of us through the Holy Spirit to mold us and to shape us and to guide us, to secure us in our relationship with God. So we have those two principles, and now you have a choice of how you're going to respond. Those two principles are treat others how you want to be treated. Now, how are you going to filter through this week your responses, your reactions this week? In your relationships at work, how are they going to be different if you treat others the way that you want to be treated? If you now have to pray for those who abuse you. What about with the imitate God and be merciful? Have you accepted that mercy for yourself? Because that's the foundational point. There's no use trying to live a Christian life without first accepting Christ as your Savior. It's impossible to do that successfully. You must be in Christ. And you also have the choice of how you're going to respond. Remember the Dunning-Kruger effect, overconfident in the things that we think we know. So as we go out this week, let's go out with some humility. Let's go out with some newfound vigor. And as our relationships are blessed because we apply God's word to them, let's give God the glory and the praise that he deserves.